We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock as we launch a new week of incredibly important discussions. It is the 13th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. We have a country to save. I borrow that from the great Larry Elder. We have a country to save in particular over the next 11 months. This is our mission. Coming up on the program, we have a loaded show today in about 40 minutes from now. In fact, exactly 40 minutes from now at 9.48. We will talk with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative. I'm proud to say that I vote for him as he is in my, he is the representative, rather, of my particular congressional district, so I'll take credit for uh, his brilliance. Uh, I say that in jest, of course. Uh, So Congressman Jordan will be joining us uh, coming up at 9.48 this morning. Uh, also coming up this morning, we are going to be talking with uh, Anthony Gonzalez, another congressman from Ohio's 16th Congressional District. Uh, district. He, of course, uh, took that job when uh, Jim Renacci vacated it in order to run for governor and then aborted the run for governor to run for Senate. And Anthony Gonzalez is the representative there. Now, he wants to weigh in on the Iran situation and what kinds of powers, war powers rather, uh, the president, the executive in chief, you know, the, the commander in chief, the executive office, executive branch, whether it's Trump or not. That's the reason I'm avoiding saying his name, because what they are trying to do would change, uh, the way presidents are able to defend this country going forward. This is what the left is trying to do in Congress, changing the war powers to hand more power to Congress rather than just declarations of war, but individual strikes against terrorists when time is of the essence and we can't convene Congress for hearings and votes, etc. All of this very, very important, not just for this president, but for the executive branch, for the commander-in-chief going forward. So I'm going to get Anthony Gonzalez's thoughts on that at 1010 this morning. And then we're going to pivot to the political death of Jeffrey Epstein. 
I'm just going to continue to call it that because he didn't kill himself. I think everybody knows he didn't kill himself, and especially Dylan Howard, who is an author of a book about exactly that. came out very quick, and he's going to tell us exactly what we need to know about the ever-changing story uh, about the death of Jeffrey Epstein, the uh, uh, well-known pedophile with a lot of political connections, of various political ideologies, by the way, Uh, what happened to him and how and why he was killed in prison while awaiting trial for his myriad crimes. So uh, three guests coming up today. You may join us as another guest uh, in before, not in rather, uh, but before, in between and after those particular guests, you can dial 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you to the program. If you would rather tweet or Facebook comment to the program on any of this, these these issues, you know how to do so. Very simple. France Radio. On my uh, social media handles, France, F-R-A-N-T-Z, radio, all one word, no spaces, and no underscores. All right. Um I want to start, obviously, with the ongoing battle over presidential powers, over uh, Iran, and over what it is that we did and why we did it. And, of course, when we talk about the surgical strike against uh, Soleimani, the terrorist who killed between six and 700, depending on who's counting Americans, um, with, in some horrific ways, uh, General Soleimani is no longer among the living, and that makes this this uh, country a safer place. It makes this world a safer place. But don't try to tell that to the Democrats. Democrats continue to rip Donald Trump to uh, uh, essentially choose sides with the world's largest state sponsor of Islamic terrorism, the nation of Iran, and the now-deceased general over the United States. And make no mistake, there is no... You know, third option here. This is a binary choice. You either support the president of the United States taking out a terrorist who has already killed six to seven hundred Americans, wounded thousands, taking out a terrorist in a general's uniform who had just overseen an attack on the American embassy in Baghdad, Iraq, even though he is an Iranian or Iranian, trying to keep the pronunciations correct. Even though he's an Iranian, an Iranian, he was outside his comfort zone. He was in the nation of Iraq, which made him a target because we were in, in Iraq uh, with congressional authorization to engage the enemy, particularly in defense. Uh, so he had just attacked the, um, uh, orchestrated the attack on the uh, American embassy in Baghdad. And according to our Pentagon and our president, he was planning future attacks as well. So he was taken out. And the American media and the American Democrat Party have been, and I focus on them because they're the only ones who seem to get this wrong. All Americans, whether you're Democrat Party, Republican Party, or no party, an independent or whatever, uh, we all had a choice, a binary choice. Do we support our president killing a known terrorist who, according to American military personnel, past and present, including some of the most revered figures in American military history, people like uh, General David Petraeus. This man was worse and more dangerous at the time we killed him than Osama bin Laden was at the time we killed him in 2011. So the binary choices support the killing of this extraordinarily dangerous man representing, representing an extraordinarily aggressive and dangerous nation, or side with that man. Make him a hero and make Donald Trump, the President of the United States, the villain. 
Well, here's an example of what the American Democrats and the American media chose. This is how they chose to present and to remember General Qasem Soleimani. Qasem Soleimani was no ordinary general. In Iran, he was a national hero. He was a war hero, the commander of Iran's feared Quds Force, a revered figure in Iran. It's difficult to convey how revered he is in Iran. I was trying to think of somebody, I was thinking of de Gaulle. Princess Diana died, for example, there was a huge emotional outpouring. Uh, these kinds, of, Elvis Presley in our culture. It turns out that this general he killed was a beloved hero. He's regarded as personally incredibly brave. The troops love him. I have been in the midst of anti-American protests in Iran before, but nothing like this. Thousands of mourners on the streets in Iran. Leaping. The crowds are massive and emotional. There are many tears here. He is the, think of the French Foreign Legion, you know, if you will. Smart, charismatic, ruthless, strategic, and bold. All right, I've heard as much as I can. Smart, strategic, ruthless, bold, hero, uh, 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 revered, godlike. They describe him, does the American media, in terms that compare him to Elvis in the United States and in our culture, to Princess Di in British culture. That's how revered he was. They chose to present this man and continue to, to this very moment, to present this man as some sort of martyr, as if this wonderful Iranian hero died a martyr at the hands of the evil authoritarian American president. The imposter Trump gunned down this hero. Or, or, or shot him down with a drone strike. This hero to the Iranian people putting us all in grave danger. That's been the presentation for the last week. It is simply amer- amazing. Binary choice. Choose America or Iran. The United States, the cradle of liberty and freedom. Or Iran, the Islamic Republic that oppresses and kills its own people who dare to cross them. And guess what? The Democrats chose Iran. And why? Because as Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, told Maria Bartiromo on Fox, the Democrats don't have any choice. It's in their nature. It's their instinct. Let's go through these War Powers Act. The House, uh, obviously on Friday, uh, voted. Can you tell us a little about this and where this is going? Well, this, is, this uh, resolution we passed is going nowhere because it's the way they passed it. They did a concurrent resolution, and you have to understand this, Maria, that a concurrent resolution is only used for, like the soapbox derby or giving a medal that we did to Jack Nicholas. This is, this is non-binding. This will not go to the president. It will not change the War Powers Act. And it's what the Democrats have done. I mean, think about what the President Trump has done. It's, it's his natural instinct to always put America first and keep us safe. The Democrats' instinct is to blame America first. There it is. That's the line I wanted you to hear. It's their instinct. They can't help it. It's their first instinct, blame America first. Apologize for America. Barack Obama spent eight years apologizing for American actions, despite the United States being, again, the greatest force for good in the history of human civilization. The American government, the American people, the American system, the American Constitution has been the greatest force for good in the history of of human civilization. And Democrats instantaneously want to blame us. It's instinctive to them. 
Representative McCarthy, Leader McCarthy, is absolutely right. So where do we go from here? Well, we still have to decide a number of things. In, number one, are we going to tell the American people the truth about what uh, uh, Soleimani stood for, who he was, what he had already done, what he was planning to do, or must we keep up the Iranian propaganda, the Iranian disinformation campaign that is being spread by Iranian sources online and is being repeated by American media sources, including the New York Times? Are we going to tell the truth? about what we have done and what our policy is and why it's necessary, or are we going to continue to lie and spread Iranian truths? Because to tell to, to tell the real truth, Iranian truths, by the way, is synonymous, synonymous with lies, uh, because to tell the real truth, that what Donald Trump did was a great thing that should unite all Americans, just like the death of bin Laden united all Americans, including those of us who did not like Barack Obama at all. We celebrated the killing of Osama bin Laden because we knew how dangerous he had been even though he wasn't anymore. Soleimani not only had been dangerous but continued to be at the height of his power as the general of those Quds forces. Uniting all Americans would guarantee a Donald Trump re-election. The economy is already a huge, huge feather in his cap. The jobless rate is a huge, huge feather in his cap. The low tax is huge feather in his cap. The deregulation, huge feather in his cap. Add to it military security, taking out not only the leader of ISIS a couple of months ago, now the leader of the Iranian terror forces, taking them out one by one. If we acknowledge what a great thing this is for the country, we guarantee Donald Trump's re-election in November. And that's exactly why they refuse to do so. They will side with the terrorists. They will side with the terrorist regime, the Iranian, uh, the uh, 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 Islamic Republic of Iran, rather than give Donald J. Trump credit. All right, I'm going to get a quick time out here. I'm going to take some of your phone calls. i got a lot more audio that I want you to hear from Nancy Pelosi and others to let you know exactly who they are and where they stand. And we are going to talk more about the Iranian disinformation campaign as well because it is all over our social media. It is all over our, our Internet. And the ironic part about that is they won't allow the Iranian people to see those things because they shut off the Internet. They take the network down so that the Iranian people who are getting more and more upset with the regime and are protests whose protests are louder and louder and more bold and more brazen, uh, they have to make sure that they stop communicating with one another so that they can stop coordinating these protests and these events. So they have shut them down. So we're going to get into all of that as we continue as well. It's the authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France. Here on AM 1420, 
Good morning once again. Happy Monday to you, Congressman Jordan, coming up at about 9.48. Looking forward to that chat. Congressman Anthony Gonzalez coming up at 10.10. So we're swimming in Republican congressmen this morning. Uh, Congressman Jordan will be uh, with us to talk about Iran and about the impeachment articles. I know uh, Congressman Gonzalez wants to talk about the uh, Iranian situation as well. So uh, we'll see where those conversations go. We'll talk about Jeff Epstein and uh, his mysterious death, although to most of us it's not a mystery at all. Uh, I, I mentioned... The Iranian people being shut down uh, by the the regime, the uh, Islamic Republic and the Ayatollah. I should probably change the vowel in the word shut from U to O. Because they are also being shot down by the Iranian regime. Anytime they get a little bit too antsy, anytime they get a little bit too feisty, anytime they get a little bit too curious about freedom and express themselves, the Iranian uh, oppressive Iranian regime with their heavy hand kills them, imprisons them, tortures them. That's what they do in the Islamic Republic of Iran. And everybody needs to know that. And one of the things that has to be driving them bananas is that at Tehran University, or it's actually called Beneshti University of Tehran, they painted the flag of Israel and the flag of the United States on the ground there, encouraging Iranian students, perceived protesters, to stomp on them. But aerial photographs showing the uh, uh, images of the throngs of protesters outside that university see them avoiding the flags. They don't want to stomp on the Israeli flag. They don't want to stomp on the American flag. And in fact, the crowds were booing and heckling those that did, because they recognize that the real enemy is there. The regime of Iran, the mullahs, the ayatollah, they were literally chanting, according to Iranians on the ground, who have tweeted tweeted these things, chanting, our enemy is right here. Our enemy is right here. They're lying when they say it's America. We don't want an Islamic republic. They don't want to live like that anymore. And that's why President Trump very wisely tweeted in support of the Iranian protesters and demanded that the Islamic regime, while we are not going to go into the business of regime change, demanded that they stop attacking those protesters, turn the Internet back on, and allow them to express themselves. That's a dangerous thought for the Iranians, and quite frankly, for the Democrats. A free Iran would be a huge, huge, huge blow for them. Mark in Fairview Park. Thanks for waiting, Mark. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, Bob, excuse me. You know, last night I picked up this uh, book. I had a politically incorrect guide to American history. It's been sitting around for a while. Somebody got it for me. And I wrote, I you know, just opened up in the preface, and uh, there was a little saying there. Uh, Will Rogers uh, once said that the problem in America isn't so much what people don't know, He's there. The problem is what people think they know, and that just ain't so. And it, it, that relates a lot to what you were talking about today, you know, with this blame America first thing. Uh, first of all, on the news, everything, they're blaming American first. Uh, then the press solidifies this idea or concept with the public. Uh, I saw a survey on the TV today which claims that the majority of Americans are against Trump's decision. So do people listen to this propaganda? And right away think that they know something, but have really no clue as to what's what's happening in the Mideast and what the big threats are. You know, uh, it, 
even if we left there, if this continued with Iran and Israel was attacked, we're going to be right over there. You can guarantee that. There's no question about it. And we have to stay over there. We can't just leave because we need to ensure that we know what's going on on the ground in that country. We need to make sure when President Trump said there will never be a nuclear Iran while I am president, he meant it. And guess what? He should mean it, and so should every other future um, uh, president, uh, th- that should be just a default setting. Iran will never have a nuclear weapon. How can we police that? How can we ensure uh, that those things, how can we deter? We have to have a presence there. And that's why they want us gone so much so they can operate with impunity, so they can operate under cover, under cloak of darkness, etc., and to do Lord knows what with respect to their nuclear program. But I'm glad you mentioned the disinformation campaign by the Iranians and by the propaganda and how they are being spread here by liberal American media members. I'll explain that on the other side of the news, which is now on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty-five. We continue with the authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We've got Congressman Jordan coming up in about thirteen minutes. We are also going to have uh, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez coming up in uh, at the uh, after the top of the hour at about ten ten. So I'm looking forward to, to both of those conversations. I want to hit real quick um, a little bit about what the last caller was talking about about uh, Iranian disinformation, Iranian propaganda, and you know it's one thing for the Iranians to flood social media with phony stories and fake news and all kinds of other uh, things that are, that are bent on, you know, uh, essentially uh, discouraging the United States about their own leadership, discouraging the United States about the popularity of the decisions made by their president and their Pentagon, uh, and uh, discouraging the American people into thinking that they're going to go to war, that they're being killed, and they're going to be targeted more, et cetera, et cetera. It's one thing for the Iranians to do that by way of social media, which we know is very easy to do. It's another thing for American legacy media, mainstream media, to join in the effort. But that's what we have here. The New York Times, New York Times journalist Farnaz Fasihi, has been amplifying Iranian propaganda into the mainstream media following the death of Soleimani. The Daily Caller spoke of the retired uh, Army intelligence officer named Tony Schaefer, as well as former CIA chief of station Daniel Hoffman, about some of this New York Times journalist Farnaz Fasihi's tweets, where she cited anonymous Iranian sources. Schaefer believes Fasihi could be getting information fed to her directly from the Iranian government in an effort to get Americans to sympathize with Soleimani's death, to turn them against the administration uh, run by President Trump. In the days following the January 2nd strike that killed Soleimani, one New York Times journalist, this is from the Daily Caller, in particular became the focus of criticism for consistently amplifying Iranian messaging. The journalist was by no means an isolated case. Iranian propaganda and propagandists managed to get airtime on CNN, Yahoo, the New York Times, and Washington Post, among other outlets, and a fake American death toll that made headlines on MSNBC, which they were so excited about. They want... Look, I'm... Understand, I'm not going to stutter. I'm going to say this directly, and I don't want you to think that I am using hyperbole. These anti-American outlets, 
like CNN, the New York Times, Washington Post, etc., along with liberal Democrat voters who hate Trump, want dead Americans at the hands of the Iranians. Because then they can say, this is blood on Trump's hands. He killed Soleimani and he shouldn't have. Dead Americans are the result. Trump is to blame. They will absolutely sacrifice American lives. I say this without equivocation. I say this without stuttering. I say this without any sort of qualification. I will not qualify these remarks or try to tamp them down. They would rather have dead Americans if it means getting rid of Trump. MSNBC ran the fake American death toll for that exact reason. And that fake death toll was directly sourced to Iranian media, being advanced by American media. The New York Times has had it again, tweeted Jordan Schachtel. This time, Tehran stenographer Famis, uh, Farnaz Fasihi tells us Hassan Rouhani is, is Iran's moderate president. He's taunting the U.S. in this quote and taking credit for retaliating in the Lockerbie bombing, which killed 190 Americans. Very moderate. Fasihi's aggressive dissemination of Iranian messaging started almost immediately after the January 2nd strike on Soleimani. She began January 3rd by peddling unconfirmed reports of ballistic missiles hitting Ain al-Assad, the largest U.S. military base. There was no attack at that time. New York Post reporter Jonathan Levine called her out when she later followed up to say the initial reports were false. Under pressure, Fasihi later deleted the tweet. The same day, Fasihi posted a video showing a lighter side of the terrorist who has killed hundreds of Americans, the video attributed to, quote, a source in Iran, showed Soleimani reciting poetry. Isn't he a sweetheart? The Daily Caller made several attempts to get a hold of Fasihi, and queries to the Times went unanswered. But Schaefer, the retired Army intelligence officer, officer, said, I think the government of Iran gave that to her. How many on-the-ground folks do you have in Baghdad right now who are going to be able to call you up and give you a video, and you're going to believe it? They're not. It's incredible. This is just not believable. Levine also slammed the poetry video as Iranian propaganda, showing the softer side of Soleimani in order to engender more anger at the American president for taking this gentle, hero, revered figure in Iran out. But this is what they do. They are trying to literally change the entire narrative of what we did and why we did it and to whom we did it. So what do you say, rather than listening to the New York Times and MSNBC try to paint Soleimani as a martyr and Donald Trump as a villain, how about we listen to somebody who was a victim of Soleimani? We've told you that he's killed between six and 700 Americans. He's wounded many more than that. One of the men who was wounded by Soleimani and uh, his... uh, his progeny, and not literally his progeny, but his network, if you will, of uh, terrorists planting IEDs, very intricate, improvised explosive devices, is Congressman Brian Mast from Florida. Congressman Mast lost both of his legs in Afghanistan trying to clear a roadside bomb. Soleimani's IRGC and Quds Force orchestrated the building of many of those bombs. This is a victim of Qasem Soleimani, now in the United States Congress. 
And this is the message he had about the hero Soleimani. Make no mistake, Madam Speaker, this resolution is about the killing of Soleimani. He was a terrorist, no different than al-Baghdadi, than Zalkari, than bin Laden, than Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. He was the head of a designated terrorist organization, no different than ISIS or al-Qaeda. And he was responsible for the deaths of our men and women. And I know most in here haven't seen or smelled or touched that kind of death, but let me tell you about it. They were burned alive inside of their Humvees. Their lungs were scorched by the flames of the explosions. The fra vehicle fragments were blown into their skulls. Some of them were paralyzed. Some of them had their arms blown off. Some of them had their legs blown off. Some of them will never see again. Some of them will never be recognized again by those who knew them previously. Each and every one of them, they are the credible explanation for deleting this terrorist target from our world. And no doubt, it is dangerous to take out a terrorist target. But a coward is somebody who lacks the courage to endure danger. And this is the fundamental difference in voting yes or no here. If you vote no, you understand that we would be justified to kill 100 Suleimanis for just one of our heroes that have been, been killed by him, and the danger would be worth it. For those who vote yes, they see that he has killed hundreds of our service members, but can still not find the justification to kill him, because unlike our fallen heroes, they lack the courage to endure danger. I yield back. That was simply outstanding. After yielding back, the congressman from Florida, Brian Mast, walked back to his seat on his two prosthetic legs. Again, he lost his legs to a roadside bomb, the likes of which were made by Soleimani. And you should also remember this. We never went into Iran. After the 9-11 attacks in 2001, we went into Afghanistan. In 2003, we went into Iraq. We've never been in Iran. We're not at war with Iran. Yet the Iranian general, exporter of terror, was responsible for American deaths in those foreign countries of Iraq and Afghanistan. That's what makes him a terrorist. He wasn't defending his land against an American invasion. He went outside his lane into Iraq, into Af Afghanistan, and attacked Americans, because that's what they do. Brian Mast is an American hero, and he told every liberal Democrat who voted for that war powers limitation to limit the president's uh, ability to make decisions like this, he told them exactly what they were. Cowards! Cowards. Jim Jordan joins us next on AM 1420 The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Nine forty-eight. As we continue on AM fourteen twenty, the answer, as promised, we want to go right now to Congressman Jim Jordan for no. This will be our second visit in twenty twenty. I got to keep track of the date here. So for the second time, I don't have to say Happy New Year this time, Congressman. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you. 
A lot of stuff to get to here. Uh, we've been talking about Iran first and foremost, but I want to yeah, actually sure. I want to push uh, that to the side for just a second and talk about uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi. She has said that they will meet tomorrow morning to discuss when they will turn the articles of impeachment over to the Senate for that trial. Mm-hmm. It appears that they're ready to do so. Um, I don't know if they are still conditioning the uh, this on uh, a promise of witnesses being allowed to testimony, testify before the Senate. Um, what what advantage what what is there to gain for them to hold on to this any longer than they have no i don't think there there is any i don't think they gained anything in in the time that they did that she did hold on to the actual uh articles of impeachment so um look this is mitch mcconnell when when, when she started uh, like she was going to pressure mitch mcconnell on how to run the senate i thought that was laughable on its face and it turned out to be uh you know the, the case mcconnell was clear uh, he knows he has the votes to start with just the arguments, and then at some point, if they're going to have a vote on on witnesses, they'll have a vote. But they're not going to they're not going to do what the Democrats initially uh, were pushing for. So that's good. Let's let's get this thing over with. Everyone knows who's followed this. The facts are on the president's side, and uh, this has been a ridiculous thing from the get go. I know you're not an advisor to the president, but I'm just curious as to your opinion. Now, once this gets into the hands of the Senate, and this thing is conducted. Would it be wise for him to lay low, knowing that the Senate, particularly Senate leadership, particularly the, the vast majority of the Republicans in that majority, have his back and know what a farce this is? Should he lay low, or should he be out there pounding the uh, podium or, or the Twitter uh, keyboard you know, every day? Yeah, I always leave that up to the president. His instincts are, are so good. You know this, and you've talked yeah. about this. His instincts are good. Um, and, and I guess what we've really seen is Nancy Pelosi's instincts aren't very good. You know, I, Remember, on September 24th of last year, when she, when she announced, the day before the call transcript went public, she actually did an announcement, a big press conference, and said they were going to move forward with an impeachment investigation. Um, at that date, she never thought, she never thought when we had a vote that every single Republican would, would, would vote against moving forward with impeachment. She never thought when they had the final articles, every single Republican would vote against those articles. She never thought one Democrat would vote with us. She never thought one Democrat would vote president. And she didn't think one Democrat would vote with us and switch parties. And she didn't think when she started this process, Mitch McConnell would win everything and, and, and keep it exactly the way he wanted. So she's been wrong all the way through. That That's that's the person that needs to like reevaluate what they're doing. But the president's instincts have always been good. If he wants to push back some, fine. If he wants to uh, just let the trial unfold, I think that's fine, too. That's, that's, I, I think when you have the facts and the American people know the process was completely unfair, um, I think you're in a good position, and um, he's going he's gonna to be just fine. Last thing on this, as far as her decision to end this uh, ridiculous holdout of these uh, articles, you tweeted a couple of days ago, um, great news uh, news week for the president, eliminated Soleimani, yeah. new sanctions on Iran, 145,000 more jobs this month. The Dow set a new record, over 29,000, yeah. and the court allowed $3.6 billion for the wall. Um, is this great news cycle the reason they're finally going, okay, we got to get back on the business of embarrassing him? Yeah, it may be, and, and you know, maybe it just may be, you know, practical politics for Democrats. They got a big debate, I think, tomorrow night or Wednesday night, sometime this week, and and um, you know, for their their presidential candidates, um, it could be that based. Who knows what they do, why they do it? We know deep down, it is driven by this 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 how much they despise and, and hate the president, uh, and in spite of that, and always attacking the president, and in spite of their their relentless assault on the president. He's getting things done, as we just talked about. I mean, I think in foreign policy, they've criticized him so much over this, over over uh, the the Iran policy, which again, I think most Americans appreciate the fact he took out this evil uh, terrorist. But you just think in foreign policy. I, I heard one of them last week 
talk about how bad the president's foreign policy has been. He's increased sanctions on Russia. He got us out of the Iran deal. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem. He has brought home the hostages from North Korea. He's killed Baghdadi, and he's, and he's eliminated Soleimani. That's pretty amazing, and yet all they want to say is, oh, his foreign policy is not what it should be. Are you kidding well, me? So they're always going to attack, and frankly, Bob, they're going to attack people like you and me who support him as well, and we see that every single day uh, oh, from yeah. these guys also. I do. I hear it every single day, no question. And I know you do ten times more than I do. Um, I, I want to get into that. Um, I saw a survey this morning, maybe it was late yesterday, all the show prep runs together. 47 to 40% was the latest number I saw. 47% of Americans approve of the president's decision to take out Soleimani. 40% yeah. don't, and the rest are undecided. Th- that, that sounds good, but it's terrible. I mean, can you imagine if only 47% to 40 supported the killing of Osama bin Laden? General David Petraeus and other American military legends have said that Soleimani right now at the height of his power was far more dangerous of a terrorist than Osama bin Laden was. But the uni- yeah. the country united unanimously behind the killing of Osama bin Laden. But because liberal Democrats, and I mean literally your colleagues in the Congress, are out there praising and martyring Soleimani and condemning Trump mm. for the decision to take him out, it has had this kind of a split effect dividing our nation to the point where it's only 47 to 40 rather than, you know, 98% to nothing. Well, remember, uh, I think we talked about this last week, one of, when, when, when the president eliminated al-Baghdadi, one of the main uh, mainstream press publications called him an austere religious leader. Right. And you're like, what? This guy's a terrorist. He's evil. He's killed all kinds of people. Uh, so that's what we get from today's left. And you couple that with the attacks on people who are conservative. I mean... Remember Maxine Waters a year and a half ago when she says, you get in their face, you stop them at the gas station, at the department store, and you tell them, and her last sentence was very scary. She said, you tell them they're not, they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Now, she's talking about fellow American citizens. She was talking about people in the, in the United States cabinet, and she, she's a member of the United States Congress saying those kind of things. Professor Carlin, who came and testified for the Democrats during the impeachment process, remember what she said. This was prior to coming and testifying, but one of her earlier statements was, she says, liberals tend to cluster conservatives spread out because conservatives don't even like being around themselves. And, of course, you got Peter Strzok, who said, uh, Peter Strzok, who said, you know, I'm in a southern Virginia Walmart. I can smell the Trump support. The disdain they have for regular folks like you and I and the folks I get the privilege of representing, that, you couple that with the statements they're making, and that's why you see the divide you just talked about. I'm glad you brought up Peter Strzok because it, it's going to segue me into the third topic of our conversation. And that is the fact that the FISA court has selected a former Obama administration yeah. lawyer, a left-wing blogger, a regular guest on Rachel Maddow, one of the loudest, most shrill critics of the Devin Nunez memo from a year and a half ago mm. that proved to be absolutely right. They have appointed this American lawyer, whose name is David Chris, K-R-I-S, to be the, uh, uh, the, to oversee the reforms that the FISA court has determined need to be conducted because of uh, the, the FBI's role in the witch hunt in, in getting, yeah. the, in, in getting the, uh, the warrants to spy on Team Trump. Uh, how, I don't know the process, sir. I don't know how the, the FISA court chooses somebody to do this, but how in the hell did they choose him? I don't know. I do not know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, Devin was right. I, I, I said somewhere, the, the only thing we got wrong about what the FBI was doing throughout the whole Trump-Russia investigation, what they call a crossfire hurricane, the only thing we got wrong is it was worse than we thought. Uh, and now they put this guy in charge. Uh, I think Devin said something over the weekend. He, you know, I think he said, what, 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 Jim Comey couldn't do the job or you couldn't find Andy McCabe? I mean, it's like there's about the only two people in worse picks 
than this guy. So um, maybe we should just look on the bright side, though. I mean, <clears throat> maybe this will help us as we're trying to get the reforms in place to the FISA courts, reforms in place at the FBI. Maybe this will just be one other thing we can use. And that's how I tend to look at it. When the swamp does something this stupid, you just got to look at the bright side. Well, this is going to help us hopefully get the reforms we need to get as we move forward. And, and we have to, the FISA reform legislation is due uh, this March. So here in the next two months, it's going to be one of the, one of the, once this impeachment gets done, it's going to be maybe the biggest issue we deal with in Congress. How do you deal with it, though? Well, you, you, I, don't, I don't know what power you have over the FISA court. <laughs> Well, here's the, well, we're, we're the legislature. We're going to impose some things. One of the things you, you, you have to, have to say is there needs to be a citizen advocate at the court. Someone who's going to be there actually representing the citizen whose rights are getting ready to be infringed if, in fact, they get the warrant. You, you need a transcript made of the court proceedings. You need the transcript to be sent to the intel committees in both the House and Senate so there could be some kind of review. Imagine if, if, if Chairman Nunes would have had the transcript for the full committee uh, from from the four times that the the initial application, the three renewals on the Carter Page application, managing to get had that right away and been able to review that and say, wait, 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 what's this dossier they're talking about? What's this all about? That would have helped us as we moved. It. Maybe it wouldn't have taken us two and a half years to get to the bottom of this. Actually, now sixteen, almost three years it took us to get to the bottom of this with uh, with the uh, with the Horowitz report. So those are the kind of basic reforms that we're talking about getting, as well as some others that we're working on. You know, um, those reforms are great, but here's my, uh, you know, if they were to be put forth, but here's my concern. David Chris is the one overseeing this. Does he have to sign <laughs> off on all of these things? Because that's, that's, the, that's the nature of the problem with this appointment. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's other good news, too, now. Remember, uh, December 17th, so just last month, uh, Judge Collier uh, of the FISA court sent a, a, put out a public order to the FBI where in her um, in that public order, she talked about how basically, and, and, and paraphrasing, but she basically said, "You screwed up so many times. How in the world are we supposed to trust what you did in all the other applications?" So um, I think there's some movement in the right direction. This is certainly a setback with this election, but we'll have to try to use it to our advantage and, and get the reforms that need to be put in place to protect people's basic liberties. As long as we're looking for good news and as long as we're talking about courts, let me just ask your thoughts on this. Um, I don't know if most Americans are aware of, of how extraordinarily important this is. All the accomplishments you always list uh, for President Trump, and you've got that thing memorized, and it's and it's growing, by the way, so you're going to have to probably increase your mm-hmm. your, your memorization there. But but you, you talk about um, uh, Kavanaugh and... Uh, uh, and uh, of course it's, yeah. Of course, it's on the court. But it's so much bigger than that. He has completely yeah, sure. reshaped sure. the ninth, the liberal ninth circuit. He has completely reshaped the judiciary. He has, he has, he has gotten yeah. more conservative meaning constitutional originalists appointed to the federal courts, uh, than, than any president in recent memory. He is completely reshaping the judiciary. And that's something that, that's one of the things we voted for. We, we sure did. And the president deserves the credit as does Mitch McConnell and Republicans in the United States Senate. Um, sometimes that Senate moves so darn slow, and it, and it, and it, and it bothers all of us. But they've been uh, diligent and focused, and they just sort of like the, the, the tortoise moving around the track. They just, keep, they just keep putting conservative and Republican judges on the court, uh, which is exactly what, uh, as you said, we elected. Uh, one of the many things that, that we elected President Trump to get done.
Yeah, and I just hope people understand how big that is, and that's another reason why we need to rally and do everything we can in November to make sure he gets four more years of court appointments and probably at least one more (laughs) Supreme Court appointment because this is, this is, you know, the Trump legacy is going to last for decades if he is able to continue to appoint uh, these kinds of judges, which again, we're talking about conservative, not conservative rather, but uh, originalists, which is, you know, happens to to be conservative in thought. Congressman Jordan, keep up the great work, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate right. your time. Thanks, Bob. Good to be with you. Take care. You too. 10 o'clock, actually 10.01 right now. Let's get a timeout for news. On the other side of that, another congressman, Anthony Gonzalez, Ohio 6.